Purple Elephant, food for thought. The tortoise wins the race because it is patient. The hare loses the race because it is arrogant. It has nothing to do with speed. Welcome to Purple Elephant Radio, where we discuss the mindsets, philosophies, and strategies needed to make art and tell stories that make a dent in this era of abundance. This is a show for the unbound creative, the undefinable artists, and the unidentified philosophers. I'm your host, Sean Green. I notice now whenever I read the food for thoughts for Purple Elephant, my eyebrows get really scrunched, and I know you can't see it, but I think <laughs> I think you can tell in the tone of my voice that I'm looking very serious. This episode, which will be about the symbolic representation of your inner tortoise and your inner hare, which we have both inside of ourselves, it was inspired a while ago while I was still in school, and it really came from the thought that I knew I had to be patient in order to you know, get better, to improve my skills as a creative, but I didn't want to. I wanted to be like the hare. I wanted to go as fast as possible, so I alternated between the two. In college, I would go you know, a month where I'm preparing three months worth of podcast episodes. I spent the summer making that book along with all the marketing materials, which included five episodes for the podcast. And there would be times where I would be like the tortoise. I would feel very slow moving, not as creative. I, I know I've written about this before, but really the tortoise represents underwhelm and the hare represents overwhelm. But we are not literally the tortoise or the hare. Rather, we are the creative. For myself, I became burnt out. When you burn out as creative, which I know I'm not using that in the literal sense. No, I, I could still get up. I could still do stuff. But I mean it more in the, the vague, I don't really feel like it anymore. That kind of burnout. So what I've done is broken this episode into three categories. Your inner tortoise, your inner hare, which might use rabbit because I think that might get lost in translation through audio, and you as a creative. To start, I want to talk about burnout, and I'm using this in the vague and exaggerated sense. I do not mean in the literal debilitating sense. This creative burnout I'm talking about, I think happens when our expectations don't match reality. When we equate working really hard on something with automatic success and being disappointed when that doesn't happen. Some of the episodes for the podcast I spent the most time on got the least reception. And because, you know, I've had to kind of refresh these principles and and think about them again, I wasn't thinking that way. I had this false belief that, oh, if I work really hard, the people will come. And it didn't happen and it sucked. And it, it made me not want to make this as much. So I think rather than what I just said of equating hard work with success, we have to equate success with making adjustments based on feedback. If you are changing based on what the audience is saying, what the numbers are saying, that is being successful. I mean, it's just a simple adjustment of expectation from hard work equals guaranteed success to instead hard work equals the ability to learn and the ability to make adjustments to improve in the future. So what I'm talking about is pivoting, and there's massive pivoting and and smaller pivoting. When do we need to pivot? How would we know? 
I mean, obviously, you can't change brand names every day, but you also can't hold on for years without any perception that it's working. Now, this is difficult when everything is free to create. Usually, money is your measuring stick for how long you'll give something. If you're starting a business, you may think, okay, if I don't see a return on my investment in 100 days, then it's time to shift back or, or pivot again. But for content creators where you know, I'm making this podcast, it doesn't cost me anything to make, I could make it until I die and, and still not get the reception I want. I would recommend content creators to go back to your why, to look for pivot opportunities while staying within the confines of your message. Maybe you need to explore new ways of communicating, new marketing strategies, maybe even going on a different platform with a, a different medium. The final thing I'll say before actually jumping into the strategies is that I recommend being cautious about how you measure success. Impressions do not equal fame or fortune. Fame does not equal fortune. That's probably even more true and more relevant. And those numbers, those metrics change based on the medium and the platform. 10,000 likes on TikTok might equate to 500 on Instagram. 100 YouTube subscribers might be way more valuable and loyal of an audience than 500 on Instagram. There's no hard and fast rule for that, but just something to keep in mind. Okay, let's actually start with the strategies. And if you want to visualize this while you're listening, there's three in each category, so you'll get a, a three by three grid. But starting in the tortoise row of strategies, the first is redefine progress when it comes to creating something, when it comes to building a brand or a podcast. I think we often measure progress statically rather than dynamically. And what I mean by that is if I built my website and it's up, that's progress. If I made my Instagram account, if I did the bio, if I have the first six, nine photos ready, then that's progress. But we often, by choosing those static goals as outcomes, we diminish all the smaller steps that actually are progress. We diminish the ability to appreciate those. For example, a Google search is progress. Buying a book to learn about something that you will eventually make a podcast on, that is progress. So really what that says is the slow-moving brainstorm phase, that counts. Count that for yourself. Allow yourself to see that as progress rather than purely outcome-based things. Are you making steps in the right direction? That is what it means to redefine progress. That's number one. Number two, schedule around the rabbit, your inner rabbit. This is easier said than done, and I, I don't know what everyone's schedule looks like, but create a massively creative day. Maybe your day is relatively free on Saturdays or Sundays. Make that your creativity day. Like I said before, the weekend is when I do pretty much all this stuff at this point. But leave the, the lower energy tasks for the tortoise. For the weeknights, leave the, the simpler things, the things that don't require you to have energy as you're, you're saying something. So I leave a lot of the editing for this podcast on weeknights because it's not that hard. It doesn't take that much out of me. The same goes for creating graphics in Photoshop and tweaking little things. It's not difficult. It doesn't require this abundance of creative energy. And so I reserve those tasks for my tortoise time. That's what I'll call it. So basically make the distinction between low energy work for your brand, for your content creation, and high energy work. And make sure you block out time in your week specifically for that high energy work. Number three of the, the tortoise strategies is why. 
the question, the word, as in have a why. But let me preface really quick. I have a beef with why. When people say, oh, you know, what, what's your reason for doing this? What's your why? Why, 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 why? It feels like there's a right answer. It feels like your answer should summarize to, I want to make the world a better place and save the world and end hunger for everyone. And it feels like that. In truth, there is no right answer. And your answer does not have to be about saving the fucking world. I think that's actually a cop-out more so than it is an actual why. Here's a very, very simple way to test your why. Ask yourself this. If I could cheat or just be given the thing that I want, the outcome, outright, would I accept it? Meaning, if I could be given a million dollars instead of making a company or have my name on a book without actually writing it or just be given an account with 100,000 followers and be told, okay, you can start posting your own stuff. If any of those things were possible, would I accept them? If the answer is yes, then it's not a strong reason. Essentially, a willingness to sell out is an indicator that your why will not bend with the wind. Because here's the truth. Here's the here's why I brought up this question. Very few people who would be willing to sell out have something worth buying. If you're not willing to stake yourself on your idea, on your brand, then why would any why would any audience member feel that strongly about it? For myself, I'm working on a, a novel, taking the, the slower route, taking the tortoise pace, and I would not accept someone else's work and put my name on it if hypothetically that was allowed, if someone had that opportunity. My why, while I want this, it's not to publish a book or to be a published author. My why relates to the process. I, I want to create a piece of work that rivals Hemingway's writing and simplicity and emotion that inspires someone in an irreversible way, that pulls someone out of a deep rut they didn't realize they were stuck in, that moves someone emotionally because I have something to say. I have something to say. That's the why. That's the core of it. And that's a why that can't be bought off or cheated or compromised. So I recommend you know using that test on your own why if you ask yourself for something long-term that you're working on. Those are the three tortoise strategies for when you're midway through a, a marathon-length project, or maybe you're just starting one out. Now let's move on to the rabbit strategies. Number one, make time for a sprint day. Obviously, I just mentioned this, but I do want to hammer home on the fact that if you're not literally scheduling that hair time, that high-energy creative state time, it will get passed over for something else. I can guarantee you that. Maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but something will come up and the habit will be lost unless you are literally scheduling that time into your calendar, unless you are literally telling your friends and family, this is my day and making that very, very clear. Number two, coffee and coffee shops. Use both. For me, I don't think there's anything wrong using coffee or caffeine when you're already motivated to write or to work on a project. Essentially, coffee in coffee shops represents change your state and change your environment. Right now, I work from home. I, I remote work doing my nine to five job in my bedroom. And I'm recording the podcast in my bedroom. But when it comes to writing these scripts for the, the podcast, I go to a coffee shop. It is much easier to think different from my nine to five job when I am not in the same place I do my work. And same with coffee. Honestly, I allow myself to drink more coffee than I need on the days I know I'm devoted to creating and, and purple elephant. Usually I'll pace myself at my 40 hour a week job with how much coffee I have, but 
balls to the wall on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> just chugged a lot of coffee, and maybe you can hear it in my voice, maybe you can't, but it's definitely there. Um, I remember the same was true when I used to do the thoughts videos. I would <laughs> have way more caffeine than I needed and then record like five or six at a time. So, you know, be smart about it. I'm not saying do illegal drugs to change your state, but coffee, caffeine is a, a readily available creativity substance, in my opinion. Number three for the hair strategies, check your arrogance. Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode, the hair loses the race because it is arrogant. You can't sprint a marathon. What this essentially means is I've had times working on films that I truly thought this was the greatest film of all time. I've had stand-up sets that I've worked on that I thought this is the funniest thing I've ever written. And that's fine. I think it's important that we feel like every project we work on is better than the last in some way, shape, or form. I think that's very important. But we need to check our arrogance because we will fall into the trap of being deluded by futures which don't exist. If we don't keep a grip on our ego, we will float away, <laughs> metaphorically. I think what happens is when we do let our ego win and our arrogance take over, we become so entranced by the outcome that we lose interest in the current quote-unquote boring work we're doing right now. For this podcast, I've noticed in myself that the more I focus on, oh, how many likes is my promotion post going to get on Instagram? And how many downloads, how many listens is this episode going to get when I check it tomorrow, next week, two weeks from now? The more I'm focused on those outcomes, the more that this current work I'm doing, whether it's recording the podcast right now or editing it a little bit later, suddenly the true creative art feels like a chore. And I think we have to strike a balance because I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to get a lot of listens on a podcast. If you feel like your message is important or eyeballs on your Instagram posts or YouTube videos, whatever it may be, I don't think there's anything wrong with caring about the outcome. We would want to keep that balance to make sure that the outcome is not the only thing that matters to us. Because whether it's art or content creation, and I've made that distinction a few times, the process is the thing. The feeling that whatever outcome you're after will give you is probably going to last as long as a flash of lightning. It's the process that is the bulk of of what we're doing. And whether we realize it now or 40 years from now, the way I see it, it's this, me recording this in my room at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night. This is what creativity is. This is what passion is. And the outcome is only relevant to a certain extent, to the extent that it gives us somewhere to aim at. But it is not the thing. So those are the three strategies for when you're in your creativity rabbit mode and finally the the third column of things that i will be talking about are the the creative strategies for the creative number one reflect often now this is different from what i said with the tortoise strategy of redefining progress reflect often means we often generalize our day unless we remember it well and often the only way we're going to remember it well is if we write it down or something very unique happened. And most days, something unique does not happen. I'm willing to guess for a lot of people, your Monday through Friday looked about the same as last week's. And because of that, unless we're actively writing down, okay, I 
did this today, I ordered this book, I edited this podcast, and I wrote this script. Unless we're marking those accomplishments, you're going to forget about the little things that you did achieve. So reflect often. I mean, people say it all the time. I don't know what that will look like for you. Maybe it's just something as you're falling asleep, just ask yourself, oh, what did I do today that works toward that goal of being a a content creator? And maybe you want to keep track of it pretty well and have a little to-do list and things to check off. Or maybe just ask yourself at the end of each day as you're falling asleep, uh, what are all the things that I did accomplish? I personally recommend writing it down, but to each their own. I know it's not the easiest habit to get involved in. Even if you just make notes about your progress once a week, I think that is enough to keep you from generalizing and and forgetting all the things you've accomplished in a week. Now, and really quick on that, I think I mentioned this before, but if I'm looking at my Monday through Friday and 45 hours a week are devoted to working, I forget the little things that I do to make progress for Purple Elephant at night. Because day to day, sometimes I don't do anything for it. Sometimes I'll make dinner and watch TV and that's my whole night. But other days I don't. And when I add it up over the week, it's impressive to me. It keeps me going. It helps me realize that, oh, I actually am making progress on a lot of things. Number two for the the creative strategies, throw noodles on the wall. Noodles on the wall, baby. Remember that noodles, throw noodles on the wall. What that means is don't plan a year long project without any wiggle room to adapt. Now, again, I'll refer to this podcast. Last season, I recorded everything before I started releasing the episodes. I recorded, I think it was like 10, or, 10 or 12, and I just released them, all the marketing materials, week after week, and I wasn't really creating anything for it. I didn't adapt based on what was working from the first three episodes. Oh, people like this post, but they didn't like that. Well, because I had already prepared all the marketing materials, I could not adapt. I wasn't throwing noodles on the wall. I wasn't seeing what was sticking. And obviously that's changing in this season. I'm making these episodes as they come to me. And as I start to get some data and see which episodes people like, you know, I'll I'll adapt to that. And number three. Number three is spatial cues. This again goes back to the hair strategy I mentioned about coffee shops and changing your environment. But this is slightly different. This is using environment changes to signify activity changes, aka using cues consciously. Like I said, when I get off work, I'm in the same room that I began the day in. So it's kind of tough to sit down in the same seat I've been working one job in and say, okay, time to be creative, time to work on this podcast, time to write, time to create collages in Photoshop. It's kind of hard to do that. So what I do is use cues consciously. I leave my apartment. I go on the treadmill down in our gym for 15 minutes. I change clothes and almost create the illusion of a new day. Now, this is something you are probably going to have to go and test a lot because it doesn't just apply to remote workers. This applies probably even more so to people who consume a lot of media and then have trouble creating media of their own, creating content of their own. If I'm on YouTube and just watching YouTube videos, it's kind of hard to stop that and start working on creating something, especially if I'm in the exact same seat looking at the exact same computer. A better step may be to, oh, you know, go to the grocery store. And when I come back, I'm only going to focus on 
creative endeavors. So basically using these spatial breaks as a, a conscious way to change activities. That's the long and the short of it. So those are the three by three to develop patience, leverage your high energy creative states to prevent burnout and to realize, whoa, you're making a lot of progress day after day, week after week, drip by drip, as Seth Godin likes to say. I hope all these nine help you and maybe I'll use a few of these, maybe I'll use all of them. If you like this episode, it would mean a hell of a lot if you rated it on Spotify, on iTunes, left a nice review. Thank you.